بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والنجم إذا هوى ما ضل صاحبكم وما وعن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال سألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أي العمل أحب إلى الله عز وجل قال الصلاة على وقتها قلت ثم أي قال ثم بر الوالدين قلت ثم أي قال ثم الجهاد في سبيل الله قال حدثني بهن ولو استزدته, ولو استزدته لزادني This is the first hadith in the book, which is the first chapter of the book, and that is about kindness to parents. The hadith is narrated on the authority of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu who says, that I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which of the deeds is dearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, As-salatu ala waqtiha, to perform salah on time. So he said, I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, thumma ayyun, what is next to that Ya Rasulullah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Birrul walidain. Kindness to parents. I asked, Thumma ayyum. What is next, Ya Rasulullah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Thumma al-jihadu fi sabirillah. The next deed to that is jihad fi sabirillah. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu alayhi wa says, Haddathani bihinna. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned these three things to me. Had I asked him for more, he would have told me more. I stopped. I didn't ask for more. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Saud radiallahu anhu is a well-known sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who is known as Faqihul Ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with a very deep understanding of his deed. As he used to read an ayah, hear a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to get to the depth of it, understand the wisdoms, understand the depth of the rulings of that ayah of that hadith. And therefore Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in the hadith, مَا حَدَّثَكُمْ إِبْنُ مَسْعُودٍ فَصَدِّقُوهُ Whatever Ibn Mas'ud tells you, trust him. Subhanallah, what an authority. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, when he tells you something, you must trust him. Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhu says, when I went to Madinah Munawwara, for some time I thought Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu was a close family member of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
This is how close he was to Prophet Wasallam. He says, I used to see him and his mother frequently visiting Rasulullah Wasallam in his house. That because of that frequent visit, I thought he must be a family member. That they are so much at his home. Sayyidina, Abdullah, uh, Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu sent Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu to Kufa. And then he said to the people of Kufa, I swear that I gave you people preference over myself by sending Abdullah ibn Mas'ud to you. I really need him with me. But I'm giving you preference over myself. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, when he went to Kufa, he filled it with knowledge. Because he's a person of knowledge. Allah blessed him with deep understanding, deep knowledge. So now, he's always educating people. He's busy teaching people. When Ali radiallahu anhu went to Kufa, he said, this town is full of ilm. Everyone is knowledgeable in this town. Because of the efforts of Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. Then he went over there and he just kept on educating people and now people started coming and staying with him, spending time with him. And they were so well educated that Ali radiallahu anhu was surprised. Imam Masruq, one of the well-known of the tabi'een, and every book of tafsir will have his name. He says, شَامَمْتُ أَصْحَابَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ I sat very closely with all the Sahaba Rizwanullahi Ajmain, as many as he could, go, could get a hold of at that time. So I said, I sat very close to them in order to learn from them. فَوَجَدْتُ عِلْمَهُمْ إِنْتَهَا إِلَى سِتَّةٍ I found the knowledge of all the Sahaba was summarized, or you can say six of the Sahaba had the knowledge of all the other Sahaba. And those six were, Omar, Ali, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, Abu Darda, and Zayd ibn Thabit, Ridwanullahi alayhi majma'in. He says, these six Sahaba had the had collected the information and the knowledge from all the Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majma'in. And he says, when I asked about who would be the most knowledgeable out of these six? So everyone agreed that it was Ali ibn Mas and Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. Ali radiallahu anhu and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. Imam ibn al-Madini, who is a well-known scholar of hadith, he says, out of all Sahaba Ridwanullahi alayhi majma'een, there were only few Sahaba that when they would say something, all the other Sahaba will give up their opinions and follow them. Because Sahaba had heard hadith from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa They had first-hand knowledge from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa He said, but there were few Sahaba when they would give a verdict, when they will give a fatwa, when they will give their opinion, then all other Sahaba will give up.
and they will just follow them. And since those Sahaba are Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Zayd ibn Thabit, and Abdullah ibn Abbas radhiallahu anhu ajma'in. In addition to that deep knowledge and his effort in educating people about this deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Imam Tabrani rahimahullah writes on the authority of his students, of his students of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, that kana yaqumu mu'adham al-layl. He used to stay up most of the night doing the ibadah. وَيَذَامُ أَخِرَ الْلَيْلِ كَمَا بِيْنَ أَذَانِ الْمَغْرِبِ إِلَى لِلْصَرَافِ مِنْهَا At the end of the night, he used to sleep for such a short period of time that as much as a person, as much as it would take us from the adhan of the Maghrib until we finish the Salah of the Maghrib. How much time is that? 15 minutes? 20 minutes? He used to rest for that much amount of time at the end of the night and the beginning portion of the night he used to do the ibadah. After Salat al-Fajr, he used to sit and keep on doing the adhqaq until the time of shuruq. After Ishraq, he used to start teaching classes. And for the rest of the day, except for the time of Qaylula, which means before Dhuhr, he would have some rest, rest of the day he was busy with people educating them. Huzayfa ibn al-Yaman anhu says, and the hadith is in Sahih al-Bukhari, the person who was closest to Rasulullah in his way of life, in all of his actions, and in even in his practical life. He says, I haven't seen anyone that was more close to Rasulullah in all of these aspects than Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu with this great ilm and with great ibadah. And he was very close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this hadith is narrated on the authority of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. And he says, I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ayyul amali ahabbu ila Allah. Which of the actions is dearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? This tells us that Sahaba Ridwan were looking forward to keep on doing the type of actions that will get them very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's looking for the love of Allah. Of course, Allah says about Sahaba He loves them, they love Allah, and those who would follow their ways also. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud wants to know the things that would make him be loved by Allah. Which of the actions is the dearest to Allah? Ahab. Ahab means that Allah loves the most. What does it mean when we say Allah loves this action? Which means when a person would keep on performing that action, he would be loved by Allah too. And at the same time it tells us, there are a lot of good deeds. But we should always try to get to the highest level of good deeds. Don't just be satisfied with the small ones. Okay, at least I'm doing this. No, look for the highest one that will that are loved by Allah. 
through which Allah will love us. Just like in dunya, we like to get the best. As much as we can afford, get the best for our souls. This is what Abdullah Masood is doing. What are the best deeds I can perform that Allah will love me through those deeds? And this will be another lengthy topic that I don't want to go into too much detail of it. That Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam educating us about things that are dearest to Allah. So that we can choose those things in our lives and get very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the dearest, the hadith in uh, Abu Ya'la, the dearest actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, imanun billah, is to believe in Allah. ثُمَّ صِلَةُ الرَّحِمُ Then joining the relationship. ثُمَّ الْأَمُرُ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّهْيُ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ Then enjoying good and forbidding evil. And the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَا دِيمَ عَلَيْهِ The dearest actions to Allah are those that are consistent, which means the ones that we would consistently keep on doing them. It's not that we did it, we did it one day and then we stopped. Keep on having consistency in our ibadah. Which means, person perform two raka'ah at some point. Then, do it every day. We choose one prayer that we do with jama'ah. Do it every day. You recite half a juz. Recite it every day. So, there should be some good deeds in our life that we would perform them with consistency. Allah loves those amal that are done regularly. In other hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَحَبُّ الْأَعْمَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَن مِنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ The dearest action to Allah is that you die while your tongue is still moist with the dhikr of Allah. That the person is so much used to remembering Allah, doing the dhikr of Allah, that even at the time of his death, when he died, his tongue is still moist with the dhikr of Allah. In other hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَحَبُّ عِبَادِ اللَّهِ إِلَى اللَّهِ أَحْسَنُهُمْ خُلُقًا The dearest people to Allah are those with the best manners. They are the dearest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In other hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, أَحَبُّ النَّاسِ إِلَى اللَّهِ يَنْفَعُهُمْ لِلنَّاسِ The dearest people, the people that are loved the most by Allah are those who are the most helpful to others. So, Rasulullah is educating us about things that are dearer to Allah. And then, as I said, this was just a quick overview of this topic. Otherwise, there are a lot of hadith about this topic. And then Rasulullah also talked about dearest place. And then uh, dearest words, dearest actions. He went all different details on what are the dearest things that we could perform dearest place that we could be, uh, the uh, dearest word I can speak, the dearest food you can eat, surprising. And we think maybe a type of dish that Rasulullah mentioned, that is a favorite hadith. I'm going to look for that hadith, maybe some sweet, I can go and I'll order it today. No, Rasulullah if we are interested in that, he said, the dearest food to Allah is the one in which there are more hands. Which means you share it with everyone, people sit together and they eat. 
That's the dearest food to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anyway, so it is something that we should really look forward to knowing these things that are dearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So anyway, when he asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this tells us how Sahaba were looking forward to have those type of deeds, perform these type of deeds in their lives. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the dearest deed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the salatu ala waqtiha, to perform salah on time. Perform salah on time, of course, it simply means to perform it on the right time of the salah. Which means don't keep on delaying the salah. One is, a person delays the salah until he misses it totally and then is qada. That is a sin. And it's something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates. Simply means the person now became a sinner, let alone getting close to Allah through the salah, he have disobeyed Allah and he's being disliked by Allah. This is when he missed the salah totally. And he performs it, he may even perform it later on. By doing it later on, it does not mean that there is no sin of making it qada. Now at least that sin would be reduced and you would, the person has fulfilled the responsibility, although he got the sin of fulfilling it later than the required time that was prescribed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Allah loves salah being done on time, which means on the proper time of the salah. What is the proper time? There is mustahab time for every salah. Of course, that's another detail. What is the mustahab time of, time of every salah? But very quickly, for example, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when it comes to salat al-fajr, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to perform salat al-fajr, started generally at the beginning time and perform it long, make it long, qira'ah, and they used to finish almost towards the ending time. Of course, we don't, we can't do that. Uh, that we have such a long prayer of one hour every day. Even with 20 minutes, the jama'ah is shorter than if one hour, then it will be only the imam if he can do it for some days. So, Therefore, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then, when he talked to the ummah, that okay, if you can't do that. In fact, he told us not to do that. So what is it that we are supposed to do? The hadith in Surah Al-Tirmizi, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Perform salah when it gets light out there. Which means don't perform it in the darkness, which means at the early time, perform it at a later time. You will get more reward by performing it at that time. So he told us the mustahab time of Salat al-Fajr. Salat al-Dhuhr. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if it is hot, abridu bil-dhuhri. Delay it a little bit, so that it's not too hot. Of course over here it doesn't get too hot anyway. But in the countries where it gets too hot, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, delay it a little bit. So people won't have difficulty coming for the Salat. The Asr time, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to perform it at a time that before the sun will start changing the color. So not at the very beginning, not at the very end. It's before the sun will start changing the color. Rasulullah sallallahu would perform salah, salat al-asr at the time. Maghrib, of course, right at the beginning time, as soon as the time comes in. And salat al-isha, Rasulullah sallallahu preferred to do it at one third of the night. But generally he would not delay to that point because he wanted to make it easy for Sahaba Ridwanullahim. Sometimes he delayed it to the time just so that they would know that this is the better time that I love to perform Isha at that time. But generally we do it early so that you 
can go and have some rest. Anyway, salatu ala waqtiha means to perform salah on its mustahab time. Not keep on delaying it and delaying it and delaying it. Until now we see, oh, the time is running out, let me quickly perform the salah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, this is the salah of a munafiq. This is the sign of nifaq. And this is when a person keeps on feeling lazy for doing salah. Quran tells us that that is the also, that is also the prayer of munafiq. وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ قَامُوا كُسَالًا Munafiqeen, when they get up to do the salah, they get up with a lot of laziness. They're not into the salah. They don't feel like they want to do it. So, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, the best, the best amal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to perform the prayers on time. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu alayhi says, I asked Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what will be the next deed ya Rasulullah that is dearest to Allah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, birrul walidayn. What does the word bir means? Bir is the opposite of uquq. Uquq is disobedience, not fulfilling someone's right. Dis, uh, disrespecting someone. This is all uquq. So the opposite of that is bir, which means to be obedient, to be respectful, and to fulfill their rights. This is bir. Generally, bir is a good deed. Anything good is called bir. لَيْسَ Bir is a good deed. Deal with your parents in such a way that you're always earning reward. This is bir. That you're always doing good towards them. This is called bir. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, Ya Rasulullah, what would be the deed that would follow this? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Al-jihadu fi sabirillah. Jihad fi sabirillah. Now we'll look at these three things. Salah, kindness to parents, and jihad. This is not everything. These are the three things that are really the titles or headlines for a lot of other good deeds. Salah will lead us to all the ibadat. Birrul walidayn. Kindness to parents will lead us to good behaviors and morality. And jihad fi sabirillah is referring to struggle in the way of Allah. Anything that requires any type of struggle from us, we are ready to offer it for the sake of the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So a person is into the ibadah. The person is good with his akhlaq, with his behavior. Because remember, if a person is trying to be nice to others. And he says, you know, he's on time for everything. He is committed to all of his responsibilities. But this person does not perform salah. It's a sign that this person is not sincere in his actions. Is not sincere in his actions. Whenever he will get the opportunity of doing it wrongly, he will do it. Salah is a sign that the person does not want someone to monitor him. He is not doing it for his personal benefit. He's doing it for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is why Umar says that a person who would miss the salah, you cannot trust him for other responsibilities. 
It happened in a lot of countries. We don't really need to even study the history. We just look at what is happening at our time in the world. That there were parts of the world where people were living with a lot of peace and harmony. You see, you know some people in the society, they're well-respected people, well-educated people, people who trust them for anything. When situations changed in the country, and they did not have to hold to their responsibilities, they came up and started seeing so many evil things about other nations, about other religions, about other peoples, about killing, hurting, destroying, the least is neglecting the rights of others, that people were shocked. How could such a person say something like this? Because until this point, he was being kind and nice because he wanted to earn people's respect. Now he knows he doesn't need their respect. He doesn't need them anymore. Or oh, I got my position. Once I got my position, why would I need anyone now? Now, I'm going to deal with you the way I'm internally, I'm, I really... Uh, my personality is. And as I said, we see it a lot that happened in our recent times also. That when situation changed in a country, people who are good people, nice people, they started robbing everyone. Lights went off for some days. It happened within our countries. Light went off for some days. All the stores were robbed. We don't have so many robbers out there. Where did these people come from? Did we import robbers from other countries? Of course not. These are the same people that will, that will live with us when they got the opportunity. Those very kind, gentle people, educated people, they went out and they did all of those things. This is why it's very important that the person is loyal to his Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now there is no situation in the world that Allah is not watching him. Whether lights are there or not, whether someone is there to watch or not, whether the security system is that is working or not, everything will be in place. No one is going to come and touch anything that doesn't belong to him. So this is where we need these ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibadah speaks a lot. It's not okay, you know, I'm being kind to others, so I don't have to worry about how I perform my ibadah, that's between me and Allah. No, that speaks for who you are really. If you are not fulfilling your responsibility towards Allah, would you fulfill responsibility towards people if you don't need them? If a person is not obedient to his own parents, and he doesn't care about his parents, do you think he's going to care about other people when he doesn't need them? So these are titles of, these, of a person's life. And jihad, I would do it, and this happens a lot. We really need this hadith, and especially this part of the hadith. In our time, and a lot of youth, they really need to study this properly. Because most of the time, the complaint we hear is, I didn't do it because I don't feel like doing it. This is jihad fi sabirillah. That you struggle for the sake of Allah. Even if you don't feel like doing it, you do it because you have to do it. Why did you miss the prayer? Oh, I was so lazy, I couldn't, I didn't feel like getting up. This is the time when you, now is a challenge. Now this is the time of jihad, that is struggle. Offer your struggle, peace be
for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Really, jihad is not fighting fi sabilillah. Jihad is every struggle we offer for any cause. For any cause we like to achieve. And the reason the word jihad is used for fighting also because that is also a part of the struggle for achieving something. So this is very important that a person is used to struggling for sabilillah. Offering some struggle. You offer when he don't feel like doing something. When I feel that I'm not going to benefit from it. Still you do it. When you feel that I will lose something, you still do it fi sabilillah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone curses at you. And you have all of your people around you. There is no reason for me to stay quiet at this time. This person can do nothing to me. Now, the only reason I would stay quiet and not respond to this person if it is fi sabilillah. For the sake of Allah, I would just forgive him. I will let it go fi sabilillah for the sake of Allah. So this is what jihad fi sabilillah really means in our deen. That a person is always willing to offer some sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is very important. On daily basis, we need to look at our lives and see what is my struggle for the sake of Allah. Very important. What is my struggle for the sake of Allah? Because at my workplace, if I have to stand up for an hour, full one hour, if I have to stand up for some work in line, or just to prove that I'm loyal, or I'm a good worker, I would stand up for an hour. But when it comes to peaceabilillah, then I'm afraid to stand even for 10 minutes. It is a fact that we really need to monitor our life. That what is our struggle fi sabilillah? And there should be something that we are offering every day fi sabilillah. It could be two extra rakah That you don't feel like doing it and you force yourself to do it. That is jihad fi sabilillah. I don't feel like giving sadaqah, so I'm just going to put a quadra in the nation clause. This is also jihad fi sabilillah. I don't feel like sharing anything. I'm going to send some food to the neighbor. This is jihad fi sabilillah. So, some struggle. And this struggle, after some time, say a person who performs turakanabir, after some time, these turakas will become easy for him. So, alhamdulillah. Now, this is part of his life. Now, two more. So, that, that jihad will continue fi sabilillah. Don't stop. Keep on offering some struggle for the sake of Allah. Through this, not only that we will earn the reward, not only we will get the benefit of Akhirah, let me tell you. This is in the light of a lot of ayat of Quran and a hadith of Rasulullah. Through this struggle that we would offer Allah, we would protect ourselves against a lot of difficulties of this life. When a person offers struggle, when he offers any sacrifice for the sake of Allah, Allah protects him from other difficulties in life. And a person who does not offer anything fi sabilillah, Allah makes this person keeps on going through hardships in his life. It is a protection against other hardships in life. When a person keeps on doing fi jihad fi sabilillah, which means offer, keep on offering sacrifice for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, these are the three things that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud has 
Then what? Then what? And Prophet ﷺ kept on telling him. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu says, وَلَوِسْتَزَدْتُهُ لَزَدْنِ Prophet ﷺ told me these three things. Had I asked him for more, he would have informed me of more. Why then he didn't ask? There is another hadith which is Sahih Muslim that explains that the reason he didn't ask, he said, I felt I don't want to put Rasulullah in that position that is just answering my questions. So keep on asking him. That means I don't want to trouble him anymore. I knew these things, three things are enough for me. I'm going to practice these things. So I'm not going to just bother him by asking him more. And this is also teaching us, telling us about Abdullah ibn Mas'ud having such a good understanding in other that even when he's learning and he has the opportunity of learning more, he says, no, for the sake of Rasulullah sallallahu I'm going to stop at this point now. So that I'm not just bothering him with my questions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to adopt these beautiful advices of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Do the a'mal that are dear to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that are loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that will make us be loved by Rabbul Alameen subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqih, Sayyidina wa Nabiyyina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Amin.